this is the Environmental Integrity Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Pelton. Carlene Zack worked as a postal clerk and then the U.S. Postmaster in the tiny town of Melfa in Accomack County on Virginia's eastern shore. She proudly showed a visitor her 119-year-old wooden house with its robin's egg blue shutters and doormat proclaiming home sweet home. This is an Eastern Shore farmhouse. The original homestead was over there. That one dates back to the 1700s, and it's the same family. Behind her house is a barn where she feeds and cares for her horses. They're babies. (laughs) He's a good boy. It was through horses that she first met the love of her life, her future husband, Peter, an army veteran and lineman for the local electric company. He had a horse named Apache. It's a 23-year-old paint gelding, a really great animal. And uh, he invited me. He knew that I had moved into town through you know, a newspaper here, let's face it. You know, this is a small town. So, oh, well, there's a new girl in town. She's got horses. You need to go meet her, you know, that type of thing. They loved their home life together as a couple riding and exploring the scenic fields and forests all around their bucolic five-acre property. The farmers would let you ride around the outskirts. Even when they had the plants crop, the fields planted, you could ride around side the crop. So you had no problem looking for a place to ride. Then one day, about two and a half years ago, everything changed when a neighbor stopped by. This woman from over here, Ann, came over and told me one night I had come home from work and she said, guess what? And I said, what? She says, they're going to put chicken houses over here, CAFOs. And I said, what is a CAFO? CAFOs, or Concentrated Animal Feeding Operations, known by state regulators in Virginia simply as AFOs, are massive, windowless, airplane hangar-like metal buildings that are often twice the length of a football field and are used to grow thousands of chickens, hogs, and other livestock. The farmer next door had sold his land to a company that was proposing to build 24 of these huge structures to house more than a million chickens at a time, just 200 yards from Carlene and Peter's home. Carlene grew up on a farm and was comfortable with the idea of farm animals next door. But she decided to fight this project because it did not seem like farming. A city of giant industrial buildings proposed on land zoned for agriculture. I drew up a petition. And I went from door to door to door to door to door to door of all our neighbors. Now, these neighbors normally might have been sympathetic to the poultry industry because the Eastern Shore has long been home to family chicken farms. But they signed Carlene's petition because what was being proposed here was different. Out-of-state investors, in this case working through a Texas-based corporation, were proposing to build not just one or two old-style chicken houses, but 24 mega-houses, about 600 feet long instead of the normal 400 feet long, with about 50% more capacity each. They would be run by employees of a Texas company working on contract for Tyson Foods, Inc. of Arkansas. The number of these kinds of projects is growing. Over the last six years alone, the number of poultry houses in Carleen's County, Accomack County, Virginia, has almost doubled from 254 to 480, according to reports with the county's planning department. The annual production of birds for just this one county has reached more than 85 million chickens and 280 million pounds of manure a year, according to state records. Across the whole Chesapeake Bay watershed, the industry has grown to more than a billion chickens produced per year, 
and 5.7 billion pounds of manure, some of which runs off into rivers, streams, and the Chesapeake Bay. Here's Carlene Zack again, describing her fight at the county level against the poultry industry. There's been a, an internal war going on here because there's a lot of people like myself that are up against and fighting against this, yeah. but you have the established chicken owners that have been here, the farmers, the families own chicken houses right. that were half the size of these, that they feel that we're against them because what we're doing is we're trying to impose regulations upon these which will affect them. So you have an internal war going on where nobody's quite understanding what the heck is going on. Yeah. And that's that's hard because you can't unite that way. Yeah. So, you know, this is not a fight against the family members. It's the family chicken houses that really should be here. Because like I said, their size and their production was relevant to the amount of land that we have and to the Chesapeake Bay and all the cleanup activities. But these are not. These are not family-owned. These are, again, a lot of them are owned by outside investors. Carlene carried her petition with 35 signatures of her neighbors to the Accomack County Board of Supervisors. The opponents testified in December of 2017. Among their complaints was that, even though county regulations limit the number of poultry houses on any one parcel to no more than 12, for this project, the owners were proposing twice as many as allowed. They claimed that 24 houses was permissible in this case because the cluster of buildings was technically split down the middle into two immediately adjacent parcels of land. Carlene said the county supervisors seemed determined to vote in favor of the project even before the public hearing. They said it was a done deal. Take it for what it's worth. It's a done deal. It's a done deal. Well, it can't be a done deal. You haven't followed haven't federal voted. and state laws. Yeah, you haven't voted yet. The county board approved the project, despite the protests from Carlene and her neighbors. As soon as the 24 poultry houses were built next door, Carlene could smell and see the air pollution being blown from the facility's industrial-scale exhaust fans. Chicken dander and manure particles drifted down like snow into her side yard. There's a sweet, acrid, acidy smell that when it gets in your lungs, it makes you cough. Whatever it is, it just stinks. There's no way, it's just a sweet acrid, like, like garbage, like, like garbage, like a garbage heap. That's all you can really think of it, is a big, huge pile of garbage that's been sitting there and festering in the heat. Her husband began to suffer chronic sinus infections and headaches, which had never before been a problem for him. His nasal passages became so inflamed, he had to undergo surgery to open them up. That surgery made him miss work, but it only helped temporarily before the infections returned. You constantly suffer from upper respiratory issues, whether it's an upper respiratory infection, and of course you go up to the medical unit up the street and they give you antibiotics and, and you take your antibiotics, or they don't give you antibiotics anymore because they don't want you to become antibiotic resistant. So you constantly suffer through the headaches, the sneezing, the stuffy nose, you know, the upper respiratory infections, the days where you don't even want to go out and enjoy your property because you've lost the use of your property that you pay taxes on because you can't enjoy it or sit on the back deck because of the smell. It's, it's obnoxious. I reached out to one of the owners of the poultry houses, a businessman named Hoy Tran, based 1,400 miles away in the town of Mexia, Texas, south of Dallas. 
I asked him if he was doing anything to minimize the impact of his facility on the neighbors, including Carlene Zack. He replied that, quote, we make sure that the manure is not scattered everywhere and that it's clean around the farm, unquote. Records of the Virginia Department of Environmental Quality, however, show that it's not always clean around the farm. The agency wrote a warning letter to Mr. Tran in April 2018, ordering him to clean up manure and dead birds that had been improperly disposed of. However, Virginia authorities did not fine Hoy Tran, just as they did not penalize any poultry operators for any violations in the 2017 to 2019 period for which we examined state records. The lack of penalties was despite the fact that almost 75% of 76 poultry operations on the eastern shore for which records were available had compliance problems during this time period, often involving the mishandling of manure or dead birds or poor record keeping, according to state documents. Meanwhile, next door to Hoy Tran's poultry operation, Carlene and Peter Zack kept their windows closed. They stayed inside and stopped their horseback riding they eventually decided they had no option but to sell their home and move. But when they put it on the market, they found no buyers. Nobody wanted to pay anything for a house next to 24 giant poultry buildings. So now the couple is abandoning their dream house. They're spending the little money they have to buy a new farm in the mountains of central Tennessee, an area that so far has not been hit by the spread of CAFOs. Just like a, a disease just spreading and infecting the area. You know, and it's a shame because I really don't want to move off the eastern shore. But I can't stay here if they're going to allow this. You know, I have a choice at this point and I choose not to. You know, again, I'm sacrificing my home, but I'd better my home than my health. Across the U.S., a growing number of scientific studies link the air pollutants from these factory-style farms, including ammonia, hydrogen sulfide, and particulate matter, to a variety of health problems in neighbors, including asthma attacks, pneumonia, diarrhea, fevers, and MRSA infections. Dr. Brian Schwartz is a public health professor and researcher at the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. He and his colleagues examined the electronic health records of more than a half million residents of central Pennsylvania from 2004 to 2015. They found almost 12,000 cases of pneumonia, a disproportionate number near high-density poultry operations. Here's Dr. Schwartz. We found that people who lived closer to more and larger poultry operations had about a 70% increased risk of community-acquired pneumonia. We don't think it's the you know, bacteria from the farms themselves that is causing the pneumonia. The way we think this is likely to happen is that when you're around air contaminants, it affects your airways and it affects your ability to fight off infection, and so it increases your risk of community-acquired pneumonia. Because these kinds of poultry operations are located across the country, this is potentially a national issue, impacting not only Chesapeake Bay region states, but even bigger poultry states like Georgia, Alabama, and Arkansas. But the federal government has been slow to respond. 
For more than 15 years, the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency says it has been conducting research on poultry house ammonia emissions. In terms of health impacts, ammonia can cause watery eyes, coughing, asthma attacks, and inflammation of throats and nasal passages, among other symptoms, depending on the concentration. But EPA studies have been repeatedly delayed, and now the release date is uncertain. State governments have also been reluctant to act. For example, in Maryland, lawmakers in 2017, 2018, and 2019 introduced a bill called the Community Healthy Air Act. It would have required the Maryland Department of the Environment to conduct air monitoring at factory farms and assess the health risks to nearby residents. All three years, however, the legislation was opposed by the influential farm lobby and failed. In February of 2020, Maryland lawmakers debated another bill that would have imposed a moratorium on large new poultry houses. That also was defeated after lobbying by the poultry industry. Many poultry farmers deny there's a problem at all and strongly oppose any regulations or even studies of the issue. Here's Alan Eck, a poultry farmer from Queen Anne's County, testifying against poultry regulations in Annapolis. We've been raising chickens for over 40 years. It had been four generations from my grandfather down to my son. And we've all been involved in the daily activities within the chicken house. And none of us, including my siblings, have any health concerns at all whatsoever to be concerned about. Here's Holly Porter, executive director of a trade group called Delmarva Poultry, Inc., testifying against the bill in Maryland that would have imposed a temporary halt in permits to build large new poultry houses. This bill is a direct slap in the face to the more than 600 family farmers that raise chickens on Maryland's eastern shore. The label industrial poultry operation has no purpose or intent other than belittling the hard work that our growers do every day to efficiently raise the food that feeds each of us. Purdue Farms, Inc. lobbied against the Maryland bill requiring air pollution studies of poultry farms by making the claim that asthma attacks were actually lower in areas with high concentrations of chicken houses. Here's Stephen Levitsky, a vice president at Purdue. We took the asthma prevalence data in each county of Maryland and Delaware, took the poultry bird numbers for those counties, and did a correlation with that information found a negative correlation between the number of birds in the county and the asthma prevalence in a county. Um, the three counties that did have a large amount of birds and had high asthma levels also have the highest smoking levels in the state. And there's a positive correlation when you map the, the smoking percentage against the asthma percentage. Dr. Brian Schwartz, the Johns Hopkins researcher, said people should not listen to Purdue Farms when it comes to asthma studies. Dr. Schwartz said he statistically corrected for smoking in his peer-reviewed 2017 study showing increased risk of asthma hospitalizations in people who live near factory farms. And he noted that he examined more than 35,000 actual health records, not mere rates of asthma by county. When they talk about rates, they're talking about a group of people. When I'm talking about my study, I'm talking about evaluating each person separately. And so I know whether each person, you know, what their health condition is and their age and their sex and their health insurance status and their body mass index because, uh, being overweight or obese can change your risk of some of these and also whether you're a smoker or not. And so we adjust for all of those when we're looking at 
what we're trying to figure out so that we don't mistakenly attribute something to the animal operation that was really due to the smoking. Dr. Joe Inzerillo is a family care physician who treats patients who live near many poultry houses in Delaware and on Maryland's eastern shore. He said he's seen firsthand the impact of large poultry houses on the lung health of his patients. I happen to live in an area where there's a very high density of these 600-foot poultry houses, and I myself personally have experienced respiratory problems, neighbors have, and I have seen it in my uh, professional care of patients where In the other areas that I practiced in the United States, I hardly ever saw any of these issues. These kinds of anecdotes of health problems can be found in many of the poultry hotspots in the Chesapeake Bay region. For example, in York County, Pennsylvania, Maria Payan lived across the street from four poultry houses. York County experienced an 88% growth in chickens produced for the meat industry from 2007 to 2017, according to Federal Farm Survey data. Payan said the 100,000 birds next door triggered asthma attacks and other health problems in her son. I was running him for tightness of the chest to the doctors. You know, this is not normal. Rashes all the time. I had called 911 one time. At night, we were actually dizzy in our own house, inside the house, inside. It gets in every vent, every crack, everywhere. Another example is Monica Brooks. She moved from California to Wicomico County, Maryland, and said she saw the impact of ammonia from poultry houses on her family's health. It was extremely, extremely difficult to even remain outside. Headaches, throat burning, face burning, eyes burning, eyes watering. Nearby, in Somerset County, Maryland, Sam Burley had six poultry houses holding a total of 270,000 chickens open up next to his family. I have asthma. I've had it's just more annoyance. Uh, at the, I can smell it now, the, the, the ammonia smell from the urine and the feces. Ammonia is only one of several air pollutants that come from poultry houses. But it is a chemical compound that also causes a significant amount of water pollution. Ammonia is composed of nitrogen and hydrogen, and it breaks down into its component parts in the environment. And nitrogen is the leading cause of ecological damage to the Chesapeake Bay. To look more into the issue of ammonia emissions from poultry houses, the Environmental Integrity Project examined data from the Chesapeake Bay program It's a collaborative research and monitoring effort of the Environmental Protection Agency and other federal and state agencies and universities. We also examined ammonia emissions estimates from the most recent independent scientific studies and data from the most recent U.S. Department of Agriculture's Farm Census. We concluded that the more than 1 billion chickens and turkeys in the Chesapeake Bay watershed produce about 200 million pounds of ammonia air emissions every year along with 5.7 billion pounds of manure. Most of this is from so-called broiler chickens produced for the meat industry, although farmers also raise about 18 million turkeys for slaughter every year in Virginia's Shenandoah Valley. And some operations also raise chickens for the egg industry, especially in central Pennsylvania. The ammonia from all these birds rises into the atmosphere and then falls back down onto the land and into the bay. 
All told, this pollution from the poultry industry, from the air, and runoff from manure spread on farm fields results in a total of about 24 million pounds of nitrogen entering the bay every year. Abel Russ is a senior attorney at the Environmental Integrity Project and co-author of a report on the subject. So the 24 million pounds from poultry, that's comparable to the amount of nitrogen that you get from all of the urban and suburban stormwater from Maryland and Virginia each year. All of that stormwater is about 20 million pounds, so the poultry amount is actually about 20% more than that. The 24 million pounds from poultry, it's also comparable to the amount of nitrogen you get from all of the sewage treatment plants and industrial polluters in Maryland and Virginia combined each year, which ends up being about 22 million pounds. And if you could also look at it from the perspective of uh, combined sewer systems, which overflow from time to time. Uh, and if the, the total amount of nitrogen coming from combined sewer overflows in the whole watershed from all of the base states every year is about one and a half million pounds. So the poultry total is about 17 times more than all of the combined sewer overflows in the whole bay watershed every year. So what is the solution to this problem? First thing, I think we should seriously reevaluate how we raise our food. These giant poultry factories are a huge source of pollution, and we're seeing more and more of this factory-style production concentrated in certain areas, which become sort of hot spots where the manure and the pollution really overwhelms the local environment. And it certainly doesn't have to be this way. It's not the way we used to do farming. And, you know, let's face it, it's just plain bad for the environment. So I think it's important to think about that. But if you want to start from the premise that this is the new normal, there are things that can be done about both the ammonia and the manure runoff. With ammonia, uh, it helps to have forested areas between the poultry barns and neighbors. The trees will absorb a lot of the ammonia. That will help neighbors by avoiding some of the worst air quality problems that people are experiencing right now. It might also help reduce the amount of nitrogen reaching the bay. With respect to manure runoff, it's important to treat land application as much as possible as a surgical fertilizer application. You want to make sure the timing is right. You want to make sure you're using exactly the right amounts for crop growth and doing everything you can to make sure it goes where it's needed, which is growing crops and not off of the crop fields where it becomes a problem. Unfortunately, land application of animal manure is often more like waste disposal. Um, there's a lot of that stuff that has to go somewhere, and so it ends up on crop fields, and it gets overapplied, and a lot of it ends up as water pollution. Looking at the air emissions part of the problem, there is not enough monitoring or study of the air pollution from poultry houses, let alone any requirements for filters or other pollution control devices. So air monitoring is definitely important, and right now there's very little air monitoring going on in the Bay Watershed. The real impact of ammonia on people, on neighbors, on residents, is these acute spikes of ammonia emissions. If you can smell it, it probably exceeds health-based guidelines for short-term exposure. It's probably not good for you. It's probably unsafe. But there's virtually no you know, 10-minute, 30-minute, or even 24-hour monitoring going on. So we just don't have the data. We don't know how bad those spikes are, how often they occur. People that live near these uh, factories will tell you they happen too often and they're pretty bad, and that's, that's true. Unfortunately, we don't have the data. It hasn't been collected yet. 
the basic ammonia monitors that I'm familiar with produce long-term average results like two-week averages. And that information is useful for some purposes, but it doesn't tell you how bad it really gets. And so that's one thing that I think people who live in these areas really deserve more of, and that's short-term acute monitoring where it matters. Where it matters is places like Accomack County, Virginia, at the soon-to-be-empty home of Carlene Zack. After months of effort, in late March of 2020, Carlene finally found a buyer who was willing to take her farmhouse for $40,000 less than Carlene and Peter's lowest offer. They decided to swallow the loss and packed up for the mountains of Tennessee. But before she left, Carlene said she's angry that her quality of life and beloved home and the rural character of the eastern shore were sacrificed for an industry that sends most of its profits to out-of-state corporations, leaving its waste behind. And that feels like a betrayal of both the land and the local people. This is the most beautiful place on earth to live. I mean, it's the only land left that isn't developed. And to sacrifice it to this type of industry, it's like, it's a rape. It is a rape of this beautiful land. This has been the Environmental Integrity Podcast, and I'm Tom Pelton. For more information about the Environmental Integrity Project, visit our website at www.environmentalintegrity.org.